May is Fibromyalgia Awareness Month. It's important to raise awareness about this chronic and often debilitating invisible illness known as fibromyalgia. This month-long campaign is an opportunity to educate people about the symptoms, causes, and treatments of fibromyalgia, as well as to show support for those living with these and other related invisible illnesses. Through increased awareness, we can work towards better understanding and management of fibromyalgia and ultimately improve the quality of life for those who are affected by it. And now on to this week's episode. What do you love when it comes to being creative? What is the impact of creativity on your fibromyalgia symptoms? In this last of a three-part interview with Dale, who is from the United Kingdom, just outside of London, he has been sharing his journey with fibromyalgia and emphasizing the role creativity has had in the past as well as in the present. Remember that while I am a doctor, I am not your doctor. All signs and symptoms should be discussed with your own individual physician. And now on to this week's episode. It might be perceived from the outside as an irony because it sounds, uh, what I listen to is some electric guitar stuff. And I'm imagining you walking through the width with some music on that's calming and (laughs) Yet you're also creating some stuff that's rock and rolly. Some acoustic, uh, yeah, it's <laughs> yeah, I really hear that, I, right? <laughs> yeah, definitely. The only thing I could say on that is I just love music. I absolutely love music. The recorder at school, like a lot of us did, that was the starting instrument. If you could do that, then when you went to high school. Teacher told me, Corin said, you're going to play the flute in the orchestra. So I did solos at concerts and duets in concerts with others. Could sight read music. I can't now, I've lost enough. I probably could if I gave it enough of us. But I'd always wanted to play the guitar. I heard Thin Lizzy when I was about seven years old on the radio. And that was it, mind blown. What is that sound? We had in the UK, Top of the Pops, every Thursday night, latest chart music was on, watching that. And music for me is, it's the same. It's about the emotions, feeling. There's, if I've been out for a walk, if I've got something really heavy to get me home. <laughs> I had a great walk, not to get hugged, means I need a bit more pick-me-up to go. In terms of writing music, I've done a little bit over the last couple of years. It just started pouring out of me all of a sudden. And I was actually getting ideas and dances and choruses pouring out of me before that, a little bit before that, when the symptoms were starting to kick in. It's like something was dragging me to be creative to relieve whatever else was going on. Does that make sense? That definitely makes sense. It's almost as if Dale had a thirst that needed to be quenched to pull him out of what would have been worsening development of fibromyalgia symptoms. Dale continues to talk about sitting with the guitars. So now I find sitting with my guitars, I have two. I've got an acoustic guitar, which I absolutely love playing, and an electric, which I actually made myself. I went on a a Build Your Own Guitar course back in 2003, uh, and this came up with the shape and the style and everything that I wanted. And 
I could, if I could do woodwork for a living, then yeah, I'd be happy. I think yeah. whole creative aspect. I was in a stressful job back then as well. I was with somebody else on the course who was in a stressful job management job as well. And for those five days, five very long days, we made these guitars that we just absolutely love playing. So sitting with those and whether anything, photography is my main go-to creative outlet in terms of sharing it with other people. I've got a lot of little ideas for music and things, but in my mind, I'm just kind of like, on any given day, I don't know if I've got a voice, so I don't know if I can set up the mic and record it <laughs> because you don't know how fibros affecting your, your body from day to day. And the amount of time I have to change the key that if I'm just sitting and, and doing it my own therapy, I have to change the key on songs just to be able to sing it because my voice has been affected in some way. I can't find the pitch because of the cognitive side. But I started writing songs, and the first one I wrote was about fibromyalgia, although it, that word is not in the in song, but it's called Say Goodbye, which is about saying goodbye to who I was, that guy with a master's degree and other qualifications, then bang, all of a sudden you've got to work out where you go from here. Yeah, I started writing a few bits and pieces. And the one thing I've found, more than one thing, but one of the big things I found is there is a big difference between sitting with the, it seems obvious to say this to musicians, but in terms of the therapy side, there's a big difference in terms of sitting with the acoustic unplugged or sitting with the electric plugged in because the acoustic vibrates more. It's more alive. So I'll quite often sit with that more often. Just it's easier to pick up. I haven't got to set everything up because I haven't got dedicated space. But it vibrates, not just the strings, but the whole body. You can feel the music. I can shut my eyes and just feel what I'm playing as I'm playing it and just get into a little groove, come up with little riffs and that sort of thing. And the type of music that's come out is the music that I'm happy with and have put out there is what resonates best with me. I sit there and I, I, I'm, I love rock music. I love heavier stuff. I love the heavier riches of the likes of Nickelback and an English band called Stonebroken. That sort of Stonebroken, those sorts of bands with that heavy riff. I plugged in my electric the other day and tuned down the, the top string to get a heavier riff going and gave myself it. <laughs> because it wasn't, that it wasn't, I desperately wanted to see if I could come up the riff and write something in that style, but it didn't resonate. And I had to, and I thought, do you know what? It's not working today. It might work another day. I picked up the acoustic, just in normal tuning, and just started messing around with a few bits, playing some tunes I've written, playing some cover versions, just myself. And that was it. It was just complete bliss. And that that's what I found. Music for me is. It, there's music for moods. There's some type of genre of music I'm not particularly fond of and I don't listen to. But for me, it's got to be a real band. It's got to have a, a bridge and a middle and it's got to, you know, can't have the same drum beat bang, bang all the way through. It needs to have these peaks and troughs in tune. It needs to... Uh, it. I don't know how to describe this. <laughs> I think I really understand what I'm saying. You know, it's like being dynamic. Yeah, the dynamics of of the music. So, so when I put my tunes out there, which I haven't recorded new stuff in a similar sort of vein, but the music I've out there is 
what I feel in my gut. This resonates. I've tried writing about politics and what's going on in that side of things and see if I can write something that sort of lets the politicians know we're not happy, (laughs) those sort of things. But it always comes back to something about life more and about people and just feeling. And some people say to me, family members as well, say, oh, that. I think the word somebody used was that's moving, which meant it didn't make them feel happy. But for me, what's to have minor chords made, we've got to have the whole, that to me is music. It's got to make you feel. And I can't just, I try to, again, I've tried to, can I write a tune that's just all in major key, upbeat, poppy sort of thing? That's not me. I know with fibromyalgia as a whole, music, photography, whatever it is, whatever goes out there, it's going to be something that completely resonates with me because that makes me feel good. And hopefully it will resonate with other people as well. Whether something will come of it, whether somebody will cover one of them and make some money, I don't know. This is all part of what my brain can't cope with is next step beyond. If it happened, I'll go with it. But to try and force it and push it, my system, my brain can't function in that way. So for now, it's pure creative and it's just sharing what I feel like I want to share. Stay with us. We'll be right back. I want to briefly interrupt the podcast to inform you about the Fibromyalgia Starter Pack, which is now available. If you are new to this podcast, it categorizes the episodes in a way that is more beneficial for those new to fibromyalgia. You can access the link in the show notes to learn more. Would it be all right to play one of your songs on the podcast? <laughs> yeah. If yes, you, if you like. And if that's all right, and uh, get a chance, because I was, yes, I, I am a amateur guitarist. I, it's funny, my daughter, when we were pregnant with her 20 years or so ago, I took six months of lessons and have been playing mainly in church, but also on my own, just picking up and mostly chords. And over the time, trying to just love using music. It interesting, again, somewhat a superficial irony somebody who may have been a loner yet you had an interest in music and can communicate it's almost i get this and think what you maybe said with the comment about neurasthenia and how much resonates is trying to fit a round peg in a square hole or square peg in a round hole and navigating this maze and seeing a way through this, and it sounds like you were a round peg being squeezed into a tight square hole for years, and then it hit point. There were times that you were probably buoyed along by building the guitar and some creativity that, unbeknownst to you, probably was something that helped, and then that hypersensitive personality. I asked Dale if he had considered the possibility that he might have this more neurodivergent style brain or nervous system and what role that might play in his life. Yeah, it's thoughts that have crossed my mind. And I've heard you mention that in the podcast before and my wife worked in schools and the children on the spectrum diagnosed or waiting to be. And you hear the stories there and you do and we both say, like, heartedly is the wrong phrase, but we pass coming off with probably on that spectrum somewhere. In some extent, some are right at the end here, like you said earlier, and others a little bit mild down here. 
And then you hear stories of musicians that I follow who in their 50s, 60s, find out that their creativity and then they're diagnosed as being on the autistic spectrum. People that I've followed for years, you think, oh, how do they come up with these ideas, these, these whole concepts for albums and follow it through track by track? And they've got a whole story. They can see the pictures in their mind. And then they found out in their later, say later years, but they probably got many more to go. But in their 50s and 60s, they're finding out that they're on the autistic spectrum somewhere. So it is something which has crossed my mind. And again, it goes into the conversation that I'd probably have with the healthcare professionals in terms of, look, it's been three years. Where do we go from here? Because I'm level, but I need I want to be best. Dale recognized that there are elements on a positive way of being on a neurodivergent spectrum, whether that's autism or ADHD, and there may be some aspects that play a role in some of the gifts and potentially challenges. We continue the conversation and the insights regarding this. Dale had mentioned that he had gone through 16 years of training and found himself sitting at a desk and wondering, is this it? He wasn't able to tap into that creative side. How long can you stand boring and then the stress of doing not creative, but rescue medicine? Now you're, why are you laughing so much? What's resonating with you? <laughs> Everything. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, yeah, it's, um, yeah, the lack of, I just picture times when I've been in jobs and getting the day-to-day and the routine ticking over has been fine, you know, especially in management jobs. But then it's when special projects came in and you had to be creative, think creatively and build something from scratch. That my, my whole system just went, yay, I'm off. This is me. I know the boundaries. I know the company. I know the processes. But now it's up to me to build it. So the contract I was managing was brand new to the company before Vibro hit me. And it was like, great, this is it. No one's done it before. This is me. Off I go. And I built it. And then Fibro went, well done. You stop now. <laughs> We're just getting to a point of being able to back off. And there probably would have been other projects to get involved in and use that experience. So creativity is, or lack of in life has been something that I've been very aware of, definitely. Doing the routine, the boring, I can do for a little bit. But then you just get to a point where you're just going through oceans and your system's not wanting to do it. I use this analogy in the book, and I borrow it from Dr. Daniel Clough from the University of Michigan, who's done a lot of work in fibro. But he talks about the guitar amplifier and the inputs into the amplifier. The sound coming from the amplifier would be distress. Think of pain, exhausting fatigue, hypersensitivity, pain, light, sound, smell, touch, gas pains. All of those are distress signals. And the volume control, the guitar are the inputs. All the strings represent the different senses, right? And the amplifier is an inherited preset. You get that. Actually, I I don't think it's necessarily trauma. This is my theory. I don't think it's trauma from your, what your parents went through while they were pregnant with you, per se, but their genes likely that passed, although there are epigenetics that can affect stress. But the sound coming from that is distress, and the strings represent senses. You play really hard, but if the amplifiers turn down, nobody outside of your apartment or house will know it. But if the amplifier is cranked up, people down the street might hear that from your house, right? 
And so you get a preset mm -hmm. what you're inherited, how sensitive that dial is. But there are things that can turn down the dial and there are things that can turn it up. And when you get that more congruent life, job, and in social environment that lines up better, then you do better. And the interesting concept is you do better, but nobody, and maybe what I'm sharing and why you're laughing is, oh, no wonder I did better on those circumstances. So likely that there was a lot of tedious boredom that was persisting at a high level and capacity without the creativity building up to the diagnose, the, the crescendoing, again, using music <laughs> uh, metaphors here. <laughs> Leading up to that crescendo and that melodramatic scene where you're getting worse and worse. But under the hood of the car, there was a lot of grinding going on. And there's a great book, and I interviewed, if you haven't listened to the series with Tamara Rozier called Your Brain's Not Broken, it's about ADHD. And she talks about, there's an episode on fatigue. And it's really in the often fiber world, it's an emotional fatigue. It's an exhaustion because... To do tedious, boring things, it takes so much more mental effort to do things that are not stimulating and not enjoyable versus the natural creativity design. It seems like it's just easy. The Europeans do talk, I think, more about ADHD, especially in adults, than we do. I think they have a lot of really good re research that's going on there. And of course, like anywhere, it probably is depending on a doctor's training and self-interest. And sometimes it's because they might have had a personal family member who's affected by it and they've had more of a empathy for that. But any thoughts? Yeah, no, it, it resonates completely. And it, it, this is where self-advocating and researching is, is key because you don't you get to certain points and you don't know where the next step is. So now looking into ADHD and seeing if that resonates, it, it's all going to help prepare for when I do finally get to speak to the right people about where to go from here and how to deal with it. And I think that if you take that and go through that in research and write down your story and put that in the context, because it's a multi-organ system problem, fibro is, with multi-organ system symptoms from skin to GI to cardiac to pulmonary to musculoskeletal, orthopedic, rheumatology, joint pains, neuro, headaches, tingling, paresthesias, all of that fatigue, exhaustion. The problem is it involves the whole person. And when there's something complicated in the world of medicine, the general practitioner gets nervous. So then they punt it. Many people living with fibromyalgia and are struggling are much less active than how they were at earlier stages in their life. I asked Dale how much if at all, this applied to his story. Yes. Yeah, very. with all under my arm, yeah. And you, without knowing it, were naturally suppressing it. But likely, too, with a tedious job, you probably, if you did a step counter, your steps may have reduced. And maybe you spent more time watching your son play football as he was getting more competitive and driving to things. and. If you would have known, oh, he's warming up, me and my wife should go for an hour walk <laughs> or a jog or something. <laughs> but maybe you were too busy at work, <laughs> so you didn't have enough time to work out or something. But 
and that could have added that extra buffer. And, and you can't go back in time, but getting back to that, is it preventable? Now I see kids of patients like you and even grandkids. And when I see them when they're little and they're having these things, I'm able to tell them, okay, these are things, and hopefully I've helped them get their self better. They're aware of their kids and it seems crazy, but now we can predict these. And if you know that ahead of time, it's, oh, living with fibro is often like being blindfolded, bound and tortured by an unknown person for unknown reasons. And I hope to take off the blindfold and then go, oh, that kind of makes sense. Interesting. Yeah. If I was bored, yeah. If I was bored, the flip side of that is a lot of them were doing jobs before they made it big. They were doing their music alongside, but they were bored in mundane paperwork jobs. Not all of them. Some of them, I know. One of my big heroes is Nick Gershaw, who some people in the US might be aware of. But he was working in local sort of, I think it's the job center or something like that, where the unemployed would go to find jobs and, and get their payments and was doing his music alongside before his big break came. And can you imagine having to go back to that sort of job now after being on stage and writing your own hits and, and things like that? Again, there's been that roller coaster for people like that, the peaks and troughs, but now it's peaking again because the 80s is back where we seem to be. Those of us that grew up teenagers in the 80s, the, we're the decision makers, aren't we? Financial and there's radio stations aimed at us and adverts and, and everything else. I can't, I, when you hear the stories of a lot of the musicians, particularly the ones that I'm into, obviously their music resonates with me. And then you find out, yeah, they, yes, I can stand up and do an open mic if I know I've got a voice. Um, but then afterwards, I I'm, I'm just want the ground to open up. <laughs> and swallow me afterwards. That's all to me. My nervous system is now I know what it is. It's on overload. Just everybody just give me a wide berth. I need to yeah. decompress. But then you hear about your heroes sort of being physically sick before they go on stage until they learn meditation. Another of my guitar heroes, Gary Moore, who unfortunately is no longer with us. But I read somewhere that he in the nineties was, he, he met with George Harrison from the Beatles. And he taught in meditation and that changed the whole approach to be able to get out on stage and play. It didn't stop him worrying that people were liking what he was doing, but it changed how he was able to prepare himself to go out and do that. And he needed that way to, to decompress and just process it before going out on stage. And there are obviously that we're all different, but there are obviously people who are more creative. There are people who are more logical thinking, maybe more mathematically science minded. And then there's everything in between. The challenge that I had was to go in the creative path. There was no, in kind of the wrong word, there was no guidance to follow that as a potential career path. There was no, we get to an age in the UK uh, around 14 for, for the last two years of high school, where you get to choose the subjects you can study. So you've been two years studying and building up to those exams on subjects that you want to do and may follow through with when you go to university or work or wherever. But that I was nudged away from the music and things like that. I would love to have that. And that's because of the understanding and the knowledge my parents had that's not blind them. That their understanding of the world. That's the way that things have been for them and people before them, etc. And like I said earlier, now I'm at this point I know creativity has to be something to keep me going and possibly there ha you know, it can get back in and clear my mind and be able to function more 
creativity has to be a big part of what I can do. Exercise has to be there. I've got to be able to go at the moment because I can't work. I can, I sit there and I go, I'm going for a walk and that's it. I'm gone. Unless it's absolutely hammering down with rain, but I need to be outdoors. I just need to get out. Even if I don't take the camera, I just need to go and walk. I just need that exercise. I just, that clears my head. Or if I have been for a walk, I feel quite fidgety, pick up the guitar. Let's just sit. If nothing comes out, that's fine. But it just sits the action of sitting with it and playing something, singing a few tunes, even if it's just 10, 15 minutes. And that just brings everything back into perspective and calms me down again to be able to function and maybe do a little bit of the more admin related house stuff that needs to be done, whether it's something online or communicating with a group online. To tie this together is that you're doing as much as you can on your own. I think the difference is for that admin stuff. And I think for you, like with talking with your son, you want to recognize that trying to find that. But at the same time, I come from a blue collar background and it sounds like you do as well, working class type background. And it sounds like you were gifted enough to get to that college marks. And they said, wow, Dale is gifted. He could do this and get into who wants to work on a hands-on job all the time, building things when he could have a real job with a step up in pay and prestige and and get qualified and you got to that goal and then you said i'm oh this is it <laughs> and <laughs> your parents yeah. were so proud of you thinking look at our son dale look at what he's done he's he's made it he's 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 not having to do the boring hands-on factory job or whatever yeah yeah i think a, a little bit of that yeah yeah also a little bit of not understanding why i pushed myself to get there but it was needing to keep the brain keep learning, keep doing things and understanding things a bit deeper. And that neurasthenia, in a sense, that commonality with the drive and there's a, oh, there's, I, you, you can make money if you qualify or get these benchmarks, right? There's more financial rewards. And often that's where whether no. you're an athlete or a musician, and for you, it's photography as well. And it's just recognizing that's what you need. Any other last thoughts or questions? Everything that I've heard on your podcasts and uh, what you've said today makes sense. It's it's an ongoing journey for us professionals and those of us living with fibromyalgia. The key point that you made earlier about the holistic approach across various medical professions, different disciplines, was made by my neurologist who said, I'd love to research this all further if I could get the funding, but I can't. He wanted to bring in teams that brought in pain management and, and everything else, but couldn't. And he's at one of the top hospitals in the country that deals with, is where the Paralympics were born. So I couldn't be going to a better hospital in terms of what they, their specialisms. It is a case of this self-advocacy, learning from each other on both sides, as you're doing with the podcast and in raising that awareness. And I can't think of any other questions. We covered so much. It's going to take my while for my brain to wind down now. <laughs> It has been a really good conversation. This is the thing, it's stimulated brain. Sometimes people, if they go through this, can be emotionally overwhelming contemplating, but my goal is taking time and to share some of the insights from a clinical perspective as a doctor. If they say, I'm a doctor, I'm not your doctor. And one of the things that they found, for example, is high levels of exercise, even in sleep deprivation and stress, buffered people. 
for example, from developing symptoms. And if people go, oh, so I need that more than other people, just like a dog, if they don't get enough exercise, dogs are sometimes the best workout partners because they want to go whether it's raining and they're like, oh, it's raining. They're like, yes. so what? Let's <laughs> hear the pitter patter. Yeah, why now, why coming up? yeah, I do. Our dog passed away in 2012 and I do miss, especially now I'm home more and I'm out walking a lot more, but I that routine of getting up, having to go out, whatever the weather in the morning and then in the evening when he got home was enjoyable because they just want to go and run. So I do miss that at the moment, well, but it's good that I can get out. Yeah, you're doing so many good things. I asked Dale to share if he had written or recorded any songs on the topic of fibromyalgia and what it meant to him. I think the one would be probably say goodbye because that is about fibromyalgia stopping me in my tracks. And when I shared that with a, a music group, musicians with fibro online, people said, yeah, that, that was it. That explained exactly. I just wanted to say thank you for, for what you do with the podcast. It's a, I posted online earlier that I was going to be talking with you for the podcast and people are, are listening and I think they're getting a lot from it, that from the Facebook group as well, that they respond to, to the questions you ask and, and answer the polls, that sort of thing. And yeah, I just want to say thank you for what I've said. Yeah, no, I, I think it's really great. You are a great interviewer. Who is that? Yeah, yeah. All right. Yes, thank you. Thank you very much, Michael. Yep, bye-bye. Cheers. Bye. If you didn't get a chance to listen to Say Goodbye on part one of the interview with Dale, here it is now. I hope that this episode and interview with Dale has been enlightening. If you have any questions, comments, or suggestions for the podcast, please let me know. Until next week, go Team Fibro. You tried to carry on like nothing's wrong, but I am here with you and me. This is how it's gonna be. Say goodbye. Say goodbye. Say goodbye to the you you thought you knew. Say goodbye. Say goodbye. Because I like to hide Every step, every thought, every word I make it so damn hard Say Say goodbye to me